What is going on, baseball fans? Welcome to another episode of This Week in Baseball presented by Diamond Digest. I am your host, Jordan Lazowski. Our wonderful crew this Sunday afternoon when we're recording, Diego Franco Carreno, Matthew Penn, Joey Boley, very familiar names. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing well. Wow, I'll try and sound a little bit more excited. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Matthew, <laughs> after, right after recording, you have a baseball game today, which is... Yep. Which is uh, more internship stuff. It's fun working in baseball. There you go. So that'll be fun. Yep. But got a good show for everybody today. Usual standings updates around the league in 60 seconds. Weekly wrap ups. Nothing new there. Seventh inning stretch. What to watch for this week. Also, nothing new there. Let's jump right into it. While it looks like we lost Joey for a little bit, we'll hope to get him back. Anywho, around the league in 60 seconds. Welcome back, Joey. Let's start with Diego. Thank you. Uh, okay, yeah. So around the league, uh, all I've got—I didn't do a ton of like you know other things besides Dwayne Kuyper returned to the booth yesterday for the Giants after mm-hmm. being gone for six weeks uh, as he was getting cancer treatments. Um, and that's—I mean—that's all that mattered to me. Like this, it was—I was so excited to see him back. Um, he'll be back kind of like intermittently, games here and there. He's not going to be back full time, which is. Totally understandable. Makes so much sense. But it was fantastic seeing him back in the booth. Um, I know all of Giants' uh, fan base was super excited. I'm sure as most of baseball was. Um, to get him back in the booth, hear his voice again, call in those games. Um, so that was incredible. Uh, Giants took three or four from the Dodgers this last week. Trade deadline looming. A lot of games or a lot of players to watch, especially the entire Cubs roster. And some big, uh, big names like Joey Gallo and some other ones around. And also the Tigers had a seven-game win streak. That was pretty sick. Um, proud of them. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I got for you. Joey, you as the Tigers fan, what you got? <laughs> <laughs> if you can hear me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just, um, you know, if you are not familiar. Yeah, I can. I can, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're not familiar with. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Always fun recording broadcasts with technical difficulties. Matthew, noted Nationals fan, we'll go to you instead. Yeah, I guess I'll go. Um, I mean, Diego mentioned it. We're going to talk about it later. The trade deadline, both the trades that have happened and the rumors of stuff that could be happening. Lots of big names being thrown around there. Um, then out in the West where, I mean, the Giants all season long, we've been waiting. Are they going to fall back? Are they going to continue that lead? And I mean, for now they got a two-game lead. The entire NL West is five and five in their last ten games. Not a lot changing out there, I guess. Um, but and for the Nationals, we had uh, Soto. He's who's been since the All-Star game really found his swing again. Been one of the best players in baseball, as we know he can be. So hopefully he keeps that up. And that's pretty much what I got. Yes, yeah, nice to see Soto back and. Kind of cool he says that about the home run derby fixing his swing, and then yep. it actually goes and happens. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Joey keeps floating in and out. So we'll skip him for now because there are a few things I want to talk about before the standings update, which kind of leads right into the start of seventh inning stretch. First all-female broadcast announcing crew occurred this incredible. week. Tampa Bay Rays and Baltimore Orioles. So a big step forward in the broadcasting industry with that being the first all-female broadcast. I think there was some talk in, I think it was the Orioles dugout about 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Cedric Mullins and um, uh, who not Mountain Castle. Someone else in there. San, yeah. Or Santim Dare. I don't know. Okay. Else down. This is them talking about though. Uh, but yeah, the two of them had a. It was a cool conversation to hear. Just I think the audio came out from it or whatever. But a, a big moment in sports history in broadcasting history. Also today, July twenty fifth, and also I guess twenty fourth. Technically, it was over the course of two days. The first round of this year's Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Technically, from last year's Hall of Fame induction class. This is all about um, the broadcasting side of things and the writing side of things. So, Al Michaels, Hawk Harrelson, Dick Cagle, Nick Cafardo, David Montgomery, all honored in this July twenty fourth slash twenty fifth ceremony. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, uh, go and check it out. If you're a Sox fan, I'm sure you have already seen part of at least part of Hawk's speech. Um, I know he's a divisive character to say the least, but that being said, it was always a pleasure uh, to listen to him call games and cool to see him get honored. So congratulations to all of those. The quote unquote normal induction ceremony will take place September 8th, um, as it usually would, uh, right out on the lawn in uh, Cooperstown, New York, Derek Jeter, Marvin Miller, Ted Simmons, Larry Walker will all be honored at that ceremony. Since Joey still hasn't made his way back yet from his technical difficulties, we'll jump into the standings update, which leads nicely into our first question for seventh inning stretch. If the season ended today, the Boston Red Sox and Tampa Bay Rays would be tied atop the AL East. Now, wanted to um, make it clear before I forget, we're recording Sunday afternoon. There's a lot of day games going on. This might change a little bit, not a ton. AL Central, the White Sox have a nine-game lead on the Cleveland Guardians. In the AL West, the Houston Astros lead the Oakland A's. And the Oakland A's and between the Boston Red Sox and Tampa Bay Rays, whichever one doesn't technically win the tiebreaker, those would be your two wildcard teams out there. And then at least the New York Mets have a four-game lead in the division. The Milwaukee Brewers, six-and-a-half-game lead. In the NL Central, the San Francisco Giants, Diego, two-game lead over the Dodgers, even after an important series this week. Um, so the Dodgers being one of the two other wildcard teams out there, as well as the Padres. I mean, we've got a couple divisions right now, the NL East, the AL Central, with only one team above 500, um, and it's your division leader, obviously. There's there's a ton going on right now, um, ton of movement. In some divisions, a lack of movement in some other divisions. And I think that really leads perfectly into the seventh inning stretch because our very first question is regarding the looming trade deadline that's just under a week away. Nelson Cruz and Rich Hill were the first two big names moved at the trade deadline this year, going to and from the Rays, respectively. Obviously, the move for Cruz makes a ton of sense for the Rays, given that their DH pre- Production has been suspect at best, but what's the rationale behind trading Rich Hill for Tommy Hunter and a double A catcher? Diego, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I just tend not to question the Rays yep. front office when they acquire pitching ever. Uh, that just feels like you know, don't don't question them because they're gonna they know something something in there where like, yeah, we want this guy. And then he's going to have like a 0.24 ERA out of the bullpen or something like that. Cause that's how the rays are. And yeah, it didn't make a ton of sense on the surface. So um, a 35 year old minor league pitcher raises a lot of questions. 
And also, fun fact, the catcher never made above A ball. He's not even a double-A catcher. He's only been, uh, I think, high A is as high as he's reached. Um, he's, his name's Matt Dyer. Um, he, I don't know where the double-A narrative came from. I think someone said it once and everyone rolled with it, but he hasn't made it above A-ball. Um, Way to call yeah. me out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's been everywhere. Everyone's been saying double-A, but it's, he hasn't made above A-ball like, I, when I looked into it a little bit. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, uh, Hill has had a really, really tough stretch <clears throat> his last seven starts. Uh, since mid-June, his ERA has been, I think, above seven. On the surface, like, you know, if you're going to look at stuff like ERA like that, um, it's he has a three, like, seven, I think, on the year. Um, but he hasn't been great. And if it might be something they're clearing a little more, like, money to bring on that cruise contract. Uh, maybe there is not a ton. He'll make 2.5 over the entire year, uh, 2.5 million. But if this is just a move they're showing, they're willing to deal in order to acquire as well. It could be a scary thing for... AL East fans everywhere, or baseball fans in general. In terms of the um, the double A thing, I swear I looked this up and saw him on double A. I don't know where that where I missed it. I'm gonna blame Jeff Passan though, because I'm pretty sure he said double yeah, A. I think he was the first one who said it. Um, and I looked at him like it's single A. And I could have sworn I looked this guy up, and you're right. There's no anything past single A. I'm. I'm very confused. I'm, I'm, if I lost points on this, I would take some points away from me. It's a nice yeah, done. He's 23-year-old, uh, previous fourth-round pick. Yeah. But, yeah, I, it's an interesting one. Matthew, what say you? Yeah, I mean, you said the Cruz move makes sense. He's already been doing his thing, already homered, I think, um, yep. for the Rays. And as far as... You know, a normal team making this uh, hill for Hunter and a catcher trade. I don't know if that would be a great move, but as Diego already mentioned, it's the Rays. I'm not going to judge them too harshly until, you know, we come a couple years down the road. If it doesn't pan out then, maybe then we can look back and say, what were they doing? But at this point, you got to just trust in their scouts and their development, what they're doing. Um, I think part of it could also be maybe something with ownership where they said you can buy some, but also we don't want to deplete the farm system and everything too bad in the future. So if you're going to buy, you got to sell. And Hill was just, you know, someone they got to give up for that and to the, it was the Mets who, you know, they need their pitching with the injuries. Um, but like Diego said, he's been struggling recently and they might not be deep as a starting pitching staff, but the Rays of any team don't really need their starting pitching to be their strength. They can figure out ways with openers, with bullpen games, with their arms to put games together. And I also think they're not done yet. We still have a week till the trading deadline. And I think they're going to possibly go out for another pitcher, whether it's a reliever or a starter that can take up some of those innings and fill in in more of a Rays type pitcher, maybe. I think you both kind of bring up good points. I think in a vacuum, the the move feels like it doesn't make a ton of sense, um, but it could be something further. I think Matthew bring up a really good point. Judge it after the trade deadline and, and judge it after all the other moves are made. Um, so also your point, Diego, a couple bad starts recently. 
trade them while you can still get something for them. The, in very it's much the Rays way, yeah, very much the Rays way of doing things. Um, certainly something that maybe in a vacuum doesn't make as much sense, but we'll see what happens. Again, I, I think we've discussed this before, though. Like, I, I shouldn't be questioning the Rays. I'm going to sound like a fool three years from now when Matt <laughs> Dyer can record any clip. Exactly. Said, what were they doing? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, an all-star catcher pitcher. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna question it too much. But <laughs> inning two, and we'll try and bring Joey back in for this one. Oh, there he is. Let's see if he's in. Inning two, the team out in Cleveland announced they will be going by a new name this week, now known as the Cleveland Guardians. Your thoughts on the new logo and the new team name? And we will start with Joey to see if we can get him before we lose him inevitably again. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to waste any words here. Um, not really a fan <laughs> of change. Uh, well, obviously it needed to be changed. No, yeah, needed to be changed. Not, not a fan of the choice that they made. I think there were um, certainly better options out there. Spiders comes to mind. Um, but, you know, Guardians, I guess, make sense if you're from Cleveland, I don't. I, I I'm really not excited about it. I don't it, like Guardians. Doesn't do anything for me. And I mean, I'm guess not really the target like Guardian lover. I'm, I'm not really the person that they're looking to like. But um, in would have bought a Spurs hat. Definitely buying a Guardians hat. So for a team who's uh, always seems super worried about money with payroll and stuff. I feel like they missed out on a lot of it by not going with spiders. Interesting. Matthew, your thoughts. Yeah, I'll agree. It felt like they sort of had spiders right there for them and dropped that one. Um, whereas Joey was saying you'd have fans of other teams, maybe not even baseball in general, just buying some of the merchandise, some of the hats from that. Um, but it, to be honest, the, Guardian's name at first, I didn't really like it, the first reaction, but over the past couple of days, it's sort of been growing on me, seeing some of the reactions from people in Cleveland and how the connection to the city and, you know, keeping some, they wanted to keep some of the colors, I guess, and some of the uh, parts of the team while still need, making that change that needed to be made. So they have some continuation while making it more about the city and more of a mascot that's okay to have. Um, though I did see someone say it feels more like a City Connect type jersey, which you know I kind of agree with where it's maybe, maybe that's just because we've been having more of those revealed recently than team name changes, but it does feel sort of, um, you know, temporary or type thing that would work some of the time, but not full time. We'll see how it works going forward, though. Interesting. Diego? Uh, yeah, so I think the new names, it's a bit of a mouthful. Like, Guardians. Like, oh, there goes Joey again. But, um, <laughs> the eternal uh, saga of episode 14. Yeah. Is Joey here? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, but um, yeah, Guardians, it just seems like kind of a long name um, for a sports team. Like, you know, like the whole, like, let's go and, like, insert team name for, like, let's go Giants, let's go White Sox. Let's go Nats. Like, cause I, I think, is it Nats? Do they use Nats? I'd imagine yeah, they would. Yeah. But like, let's go Guardians. Like, how do you shorten that? Guards? Like, 
It's it, it just feels like it's a lot. It's a valid point. Yeah, it's a lot of syllables. And like the new C like logo with just the new font, it's nothing exciting. Um, there's a lot left to be desired. Uh, the G with the wings and the baseball, yeah. I think that logo is sick. Yeah. That logo looks really nice. I really like what they did there. Um, but everything else they did, it's kind of odd. But that logo itself, it's really unique. It feels like it makes a lot of sense after hearing more of the cities, uh, like you know why they chose Guardians with those like the Guardians of Traffic on each side of the highway. So having the two Gs in the sides, the baseball in the middle, beautiful. I like that a lot. That's the only thing I like about them. Um, I don't love the name. I think they had a lot of better options like Spiders. I was personally, I liked Cleveland Carnations. That was really just a me thing, though. Um, I thought it would have been pretty cool as the state flower. Um, it also would have been really unique. You could have done like a navy blue in a pink color, like a light pink, maybe a, a neonish kind of pink. Probably wouldn't have, but I think it would have been really cool. Uh but anyway, also, like, kind of like uh, Matthew said, I kind of agree. I'm not the target audience. I'm not yeah. a Cleveland fan. And so who cares what I say? Like, they don't <laughs> care what I think. I'm a Giants fan. But, like, the Cleveland fan base seems really excited about the name. So, you know, I'm happy for them. Good for Cleveland. Uh, they're clearly a little more excited about it than everyone else. And that's really all that matters. Like, they, they're the ones who the name changes for. So if they like it, then that's good for them. Good for Cleveland. I'm going to agree and disagree. I'm going to agree that who cares because none of us are Cleveland Guardian fans. Right. I'm going to disagree that with the alternative of the Cleveland Spiders. I was very much not um, a fan of it. Really? Yeah. I, I thought I, I it wasn't like I wasn't a fan. Maybe wasn't a fan of it. I was like, it wasn't your I, top choice. Yeah, it wasn't my top choice. I think everyone is clearly like, oh, Cleveland Spiders. Let's do it. I was like, ah, I never got on that one. I know. And Cleveland fans didn't exactly love the idea, but I would have loved the idea. Something around the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame being there. Yeah, that would have been something. Cool. Mu- yeah. Something music based would have been really cool, really unique from what they have at the major mm-hmm. league level. Just um, wait till I, we get to Nashville. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Until we get to Nashville, and then there becomes a second team with musical um, um, background on it. But I, I get the background. I get where the Guardians comes from, and I think it's very well Cleveland based. I, I think they not lazy. Lazy is the wrong word with the logos and the fonts. I felt like it's just easy. They kept, I mean, D I A N S was still the same. So let's just keep everything kind of look the same. Um, I think it was also rushed a little bit, maybe just because yeah. of how quickly the turnaround is as a fan of Washington football team. And they've sort of been stretching the process out. And a lot of fans I've seen complaining about the length of that, but then looking at Cleveland and seeing, Maybe they rushed it too much, picked something that, you know, maybe they didn't think it all the way through, didn't have a full rebrand. Maybe yeah. it's worth it to take a little bit more time to make that decision. And it's not even like you needed a full rebrand, to be fair. I, I think just something a little bit unique would have been cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, Guardians is unique. Guardians is unique. And I will say, if if for nothing else, them taking the time to make the, the logo with the G and the wings, like, that's pretty cool. If, like, that's what you spent your time and production budget on, like, Nicely done. It should be um, their main cap, I feel like. Yeah. It's a great logo. It, it is a great look. It is a great logo. Um, but I, overall, I think, again, it's we're not Cleveland fans. It's fine. If they like it, great. I just think, as an outsider, I would have felt like the Cleveland sound would have been cool. Like, Cleveland, pick another something rock stars rocks like something really like even if it feels minor league-ish like something different something cool 
minor league um, baseball has incredible names. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like if some major league teams had minor league team names, like I would love that. Like make it fun. It, it doesn't have to be all straightforward all the time, but yeah. I thought there might, I thought having Tom Hanks was cool. I thought, um, the, the general theme of their video was pretty cool too. So like I said, I get the connection. So if Cleveland fans are happy, that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So inning three, it's been, we're going to stick right in Cleveland. It's been rumored that the Cleveland guardians are considering trading star third baseman, Jose Ramirez. We'll start with you, Diego. Does it make sense to make this move? Who would look to acquire Ramirez and what would it take to do so? Uh, yeah, so I hadn't actually heard about uh, JRM being on the move until you sent this out yesterday and I did a little bit of research on it. Uh, yeah, so JRM maybe being moved, maybe not. Um, mm-hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense if Cleveland decides that they're out of it and they want to kind of go into a rebuild. I mean, they've just fallen to 500. They're a 500 team right now. I think they're 48 and 48 um, as of the time of recording this video. Um, and so if they decide that they're not going to catch the White Sox. Which, let's be real, they're not going to catch the White Sox. Um, the, they can you know, sell. And J-Ram might be one of those uh, players that they he will easily get a lot back for him because he is one of the top players in baseball, one of the most underrated players in the league, I feel like. I know, like, we'll, we'll talk about him a lot, but, like, the general baseball population doesn't like because he's out in Cleveland. Like, nothing's nice out in Cleveland, let's be real. <laughs> but like, yeah, and they're not going to catch the White Sox. So I think, and he's also his uh, his contract extremely team friendly through the year twenty twenty three. So it's another couple years of control. It would take a lot to get him away. I think it's going to take at least two top one hundred prospects. Like, like at least like that's the starting point, um, or maybe a top ten. Maybe you can get away with that. Um, but I don't think any team is willing to deal that. Um, the only team I've seen really connected to this is Seattle. And they have the farm system to do it, too, if they really wanted to. Because Seager's out after this year. Um, uh, Jaron does have a little bit of flexibility. He can play like a second base as well. Um, you can also stick him at DH if you really wanted to, or even Seager at DH. And um, if the Mariners decide they want to go for it, which they're in a spot where they very well could decide that. They're in a pretty good spot right now, the best spot they've been in since 2001. Um, but I I don't think it's going to happen. The only other team I could think that would make some sense would be Toronto. Um, they could they do have a decent enough farm, I think, where they could deal to get JRAM, but that high profile of a player with that team-friendly of a deal with like so little hope in Cleveland – I think it's going to take too much. I don't think any team is willing to make that deal. Matthew, the Nationals could use a third baseman. <laughs> well, they could use a lot of – Yeah, the Nationals could use a lot right now. Third baseman, a second baseman, an outfielder, a couple pitchers. Manager. Um, anyway, I think uh, a lot of what Diego said, good points. Um, Cleveland at 500 now. They're not going to catch the White Sox. The White Sox are the best team in that division, and even when they're hurt. Well like the best team, it's not that close. So I don't think it would make sense for Cleveland to go for it this year, meaning they should sell him, or at least they should shop him around, see what deals they could get. But you got to make sure if you do trade him, you get something worth it for him. You got a couple of years of control, as Diego mentioned. Um, but after selling Lindor in the offseason, 
and then just the hitting for the team hasn't really been there. It's not like they're going to compete. So you definitely have to look for an option. I've seen, like uh, Diego said, the Mariners rumored. I saw, I think the Braves were talked about, which is an interesting one because they Mm -hmm. actually have a worse record than Cleveland does. But worse division, though. Yeah, much worse division in the NL East. They're only four games out of the division. And obviously, you got a ton of games left against the Mets going forward who themselves haven't looked great. So. I think they could try to make a push for him. I don't know if they'd have enough that would convince um, convince Cleveland to make that move. But if you're not looking to trade him, if you say he's off limits, you're making a mistake in the front office for Cleveland. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's – I mean, once you move Lindor, you've essentially given up on, on this current brand of – or this current – um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like this, th- this current Stage era of, of the the Cleveland baseball team, baseball team, Guardians, and whatever. You've decided that this is the end of what it was. We had a really nice run. Like Cesar Hernandez, their second baseman's up after this year. They have no one really worth talking about that much in the outfield right now. Um, Fernando Reyes is a nice piece. Fernando Reyes is a nice piece of DH, and that's really about it. And I mean, if you have a Team that just runs out pitchers who are studs like they do, then you just kind of take your losses on defense, figure it out, and rebuild it. I think that's probably their best bet. I think Minnesota is going to be better next year, so it's going to be another two-team race next year. I just with Detroit on the upswing, Kansas City slowly getting there. I think you look at it from the Indian or Guardians' perspective and say, "Yep, this is kind of it." Um, their times come. This is the end of the road. This is the end of the window. We started it with Lindor. We're going to finish it with Ramirez and tear it down. Yeah, I think we kind of expected that with that Lindor move in the offseason that right. it was going to take a lot for them to compete. And, you know, they're at 500 credit for them. It's for just, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's not going to be enough in that division or the AL this year. Right. So It'll be interesting to see not only what they do with Ramirez, if they decide to sell off what happens to guys like Bieber and Plesak and Savali, how, how many of them stick around? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at past deals for ace starters with years of control, that's a Chris Sale type return. Is that something they, they decide to go down the road of? I It'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I just think right now with one really good team in the White Sox, one better than this team in the Twins, um, and then teams on the upswing with – Detroit and Kansas City, it's it's not your time right now. Just accept that and be ready for when those teams' contention windows start to close. So, start the Guardians name with just like a whole just start from exactly. the new roster. Yeah, honestly, down, honestly, start a new era branded as a new era of Cleveland baseball. Yeah, we're starting it with this new young crew that we're going to teach how to play Guardian baseball. Let's make it a Major League Three. <laughs> It all makes too much sense. Get, exactly. get the production company ready. <laughs> all right. Inning four, fact or fiction? Maybe kind of similar to the Guardians in this perspective. The New York Yankees should consider retooling at this year's trade deadline with the current lookout in the American League and particularly the American League East. Diego, your thoughts? 
so yeah, so if the Yankees, if they want to compete, they do need to retool. So I'd say it's a fact there. But do I think that they should retool? I'd say probably not. They're five games over 500. They're eight games back. You know, eight, eight, eight games back of both Boston and Tampa Bay. They're not even the second best team in their division. They're nowhere near, you know, the best team in the AL. Like, they're, if they want to try to compete because the Yankees are super obnoxious and they're going to do something like that, even though they're nowhere near the talent level of the teams like the White Sox, the uh, Rays, the Red Sox, like, sure, retool. I'd love to see the Yankees decimate their future for a mediocre run and not even make the playoffs. That'd be fantastic. The Yankees are bad. Baseball is better. Um, but <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I don't think they're a playoff team in general. So, like, if they want to retool and com- try to compete, absolutely they should. That is something they should be doing. Uh, but I don't think, like, from a smart baseball perspective, I don't think they should. They have too much pride as an organization for some reason. Um, that they don't want to accept the fact that they're not in a playoff race. So they'll probably add the deadline, retool a bit, get some new whatever they need, probably just about everything. They're outfield atrocious right now. Um, but yeah, the less, the less the Yankees play, the better. If they're playing at the end of the regular season, that'd be perfect. Um, so yeah, I'm tired of obnoxious Yankee fans being like, we're going to be really good. I'm like, no, you're not. Just accept it. If you haven't muted the word Yankees on Twitter, I highly recommend it. It'll make your life so much better. It makes life so much better. But yeah, should they reach you if they want to compete? Yes, fact. Do I think they should? No, they're not. There's no point. They don't have the talent this year. Just take it take it as it is and take admit defeat. But they won't, so they probably will. I saw some tweet on Twitter the other day. Where you see tweets. Uh, yeah, I was just I knew you were gonna say that. Too. <laughs> Uh, I saw a tweet the other day, something like I, the Yankees were maybe going to trade, maybe it was Scherzer or something they were going to trade for. Uh, and then someone tweeted, like, think about it, Cole, Scherzer, Severino, who's her? Oh, oh, and yeah. Tyone. This would be yeah. one of the best rotations in the history of baseball. Like, no. Dude, that's no. not even the best rotation in, in the American Baseball League. this year. It's not yeah, the it's best like, rotation on the Yankees roster. Yeah, it's like – and both that, Cole like, and Scherzer have been part of better rotations in their uh, career. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It, it was uh, it, it was peak Yankee fan. That's exactly what opinion. I mean, though. I'm tired of that. I want to watch <laughs> I Yankees fan I agree. be sad. I agree. Matthew, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that and Yankee Twitter overreactions, but I'm going to go <laughs> the other direction. And because half of Yankees Twitter is exactly what you said, saying they're going to compete every year. They should be the World Series favorites no matter what. They're going to they have the best rotation or whatever, all that stuff. But then half of it's acting like this is the worst season in baseball history. And (laughs) you have to remember, there's still, what, five games above 500. The number of teams right now that haven't seen that in, you know, years. And (laughs) they're acting like it's the worst thing ever. Um, so they're overreacting to the other side. And I still think, you know, one piece, two pieces might be enough for them. They're, I don't know if they're going to win the division. They're only three and a half games out of the wild card, though. And it's the Yankees. They always find a way to win some games. And starting next week, they have 13-game stretch against the Marlins, Orioles, Mariners, and Royals. 
three of those teams are horrible. And then the Mariners are right there with them, and that's the team you have to beat if you're going to compete. So right. that stretch there, if you buy a piece before that, you win you know, 10 of those games, all of a sudden you're in a wild card spot, and you just got to play you know, average baseball the rest of the year against the best teams when you play the Red Sox, the Rays in your division, and you're in the playoffs. And, you know, is it worth it to go all that to get a one-game playoff where you might be home? Who knows? But once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. And, you know, if Cole has his good starts, you buy another pitcher and you have two pitchers and you got Judge get hot, you get Stanton get hot in the playoffs, and you could go on a run. So as much as I agree with Diego, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I don't want to see them playing baseball. It, From a baseball perspective, it probably would make sense for them to try to go in and make a run. I think it's an interesting thought. I think they're very similar to the Twins this year, the Red Sox last year. You're a pretty good ball club that just not everything's clicking right now. And yeah. maybe you sell off a couple expiring contracts, get a couple pieces, get a nice little higher draft pick, and then all of a sudden you end up with the next Jack Leiter, um, and you're in first place in the American League East. Like There is a benefit to teams looking at this right now and saying, you know, we're hovering around 500. We're underperforming as a roster. I don't need to sell off, but I don't necessarily need to add either. Like I can trade someone who's on the last year or two on their contract and but get something good and tank a little bit to where instead of my picks in the – high 20s maybe it's in the mid teens and now it's like that that's a big difference in picks and yeah. who knows what you find and then the yankees being the yankees they're right back in there next year competing so the difference for me is like you said it's going from maybe the 20s to the mid teens as opposed to the red Sox who had four sure. last that's year. a good point they're not gonna, gonna miss the playoffs the miss the playoffs miss the playoffs. yeah, yeah. Do what the i don't think doing. from five games above 500 100 games into the season they're gonna get far enough down where you know, it would make that immediate of a difference in the next season or two. That's so. a fair point. That's a fair point. I, I think that's probably part of the rationale in the Yankees front office right now. It's like, right. yeah, we could kind of – there's a few bad contracts we can try and get rid of. Is it is it worth it to fall five or six picks? I think that's the conversation they have to have. Um, although I will say if I got to be as spoiled as Yankees fans, and this is the worst problem I've had in about 15 right. years. I, I'd be pretty happy right now, but they is what it need is. To be sad for a yeah, little you need bit. to be sad for three months, and then you can have like the next 15 years to be happy. So it's a little bit. Everyone just, needs to go through at least once. Exactly. Just, just, just a mini rebuild, not a huge yeah. one, just a mini one. But anywho. Inning five, this is an interesting one to me. Electronic pitcher-catcher communication from a transmitter on a wristband to a receiver inside of a ball cap is coming to the Cal League this year. It's a weird-looking device, I'll be honest. Major League Baseball hopes it will improve pace of play and curb illegal sign stealing. Matthew, any chance this ever makes it into the Major Leagues? Um, I don't think so. I think by the time they would have the discussions and come to an agreement on something like that, that if they do agree to some sort of thing, which I still don't think will happen, it'll be much more advanced than I've seen the pictures of this. Um, but getting the Players Association and 
the owners or whatever the sides are arguing on this is very difficult. I don't think something that, um, you know, like this will ever get put in play. I don't, we'll have to see what it does. I don't think it's going to improve pace of play that much. I don't think it's going to cut down on whatever cheating or illegal sign stealing there is. Cause if we're being honest, it's not really as much as people try to make it seem there's some sure you'll, if you're on second base, you might see what the catcher's doing, but that's part of the game. That's okay. It's, you know, what the Astros did for that season or two or whatever, a couple of years ago. But I think we're past that because of the light that was brought to it. Teams are finding other ways around it. We don't need a device that is specifically used to get around that. So we'll see what it does in the Cal League, but I don't think it ever makes it as high as the major leagues. Diego, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I agree with Matthew here. Um, I don't think this ever makes it to the majors, um, mostly because why would it? Like, it's it's a good idea, a good thing to test, I think, in the Cal League, in those partner leagues, minors and all that. It's a good it, – it shows a willingness to fix something. This sign stealing was a huge, a huge deal. The Astros didn't get punished for it, like, at all. So, I mean, it shows that they're actively trying to do something to maybe right a wrong that they created the problem that's at hand, mostly. Because um, they kind of just dismiss the cheating thing, the sign stealing. And that's caused so many repercussions that we're seeing now. So if they don't dismiss that, I don't think we get this now. Um, but uh, I think it's – I like the idea that they're willing to try something to curb a current problem in the game, to fix a problem that is existing. Uh, pace of play is only an issue for Rob Manfred. Let's be real here. No one else cares about pace of play. Like, if I can watch five hours of baseball a night, like, I will happily do so. Like, I do, like, I actively do that every night, but it's usually between a few games. But, alas, it's it's a – Rob Manfred's just a big, dumb idiot who shouldn't be in charge of anything, <laughs> let him know one of the four major sports leagues in the U.S. So, Major League Baseball – is willing to make some drastic changes. This is just an example of that. I just want to see them implement those changes in somewhere that makes more sense than what they're currently doing, like something like this. I want to see them make changes to not the sign-stealing thing with the little, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever they got on the wrist, with numbers <laughs> and like pads. I don't know what they're doing. I think Rob Manfred's dumb. The whole front office is MLBs. They're focusing on the wrong issues. And so it is what it is, but I I don't think it makes it to the majors, so I don't think this is ever going to be a problem. But the willingness they've showed to do something about an issue they have is promising, but Manfred will probably screw this up like he screws up everything else too. So, yeah. I want to see if I can pull up that electronics buzzer really fast off of Twitter because it, it looks ridiculous. It's funny. Oh. Looks like one of those uh, calculators you might buy in second grade. Exactly your- what I was thinking. <laughs> it looks like a calculator on their wrist. Okay, yeah. I'm going to keep looking while we talk about this next question because we're staying on the topic of problems Major League Baseball has right now with inning number six. And if I find the picture, I will share it here. <laughs> inning six, umpiring has been the talk of baseball fans and some players throughout this year and more now than ever, some would argue, including me. It took a step forward on Saturday as Jace Tingler said the Padres would be putting in a call to the league office regarding the umpiring during their Saturday game. 
Uh, it was a pretty big issue on Twitter. It was a lot of calls outside the zone were being called strikes, and the Padres were not happy about it. So it made its rounds on social media. Diego, does Major League Baseball have an umpire problem? And if so, how do they fix it? Major League Baseball absolutely has an umpire problem. Like, this isn't new information to anybody who's watched any Major League Baseball game. I mean, let's be real here. Yeah, I think um, the umpires are just full of it. They're too prideful in themselves to admit they're wrong ever. Like, look at Angel Hernandez, the clown of baseball, one of them anyway. Angel Hernandez, if you want to fix the umpire problem, start with firing him. He'll probably sue the MLB again or sue MLB for whatever he did the first time around, but it's just because he's horrible at his job. Like, we all know that. Angel Hernandez, bad baseball umpire. We, this isn't new information. But I think there's there's some pretty simple solutions. I think, like I said, first, Hernandez, gone. Easy. Makes everyone's life a lot better. Ban him from every major league stadium. He deserves to be nowhere near the game. Uh, I struck a nerve with this question. <laughs> yeah, but... um. The, the game will thank you for getting rid of him. Joe West, honestly, not really doing too hot anymore either. He doesn't need to be umpire anymore. But, like, the really the solution is to hold umpires accountable. Because right now, there is no accountability for umpires to do their job well. Um, I think it'd be a cool idea would to have kind of like a relegation kind of deal. Um, you know how, like, players get called up, they get sent down. Why not do the same thing with umpires? Angel Hernandez would probably be in single A at this point, but like if you can send if you can send like an umpire down to triple A for a bit to work on his umpiring, that would make the game better as a whole. Like it makes a lot of sense, at least like you have that and I think you have that in maybe levels of the minor leagues. Why not implement it all the way up to the major leagues? Because it also it holds them accountable. If they want to stay at the major league level, you have to be good. You have to make proper calls. Sure, everyone's human. There is some sort of room for error. But, like, getting an 85% accuracy rating when the league average is 96, this is still Angel Hernandez, but that's not good. Like, that's not acceptable. I think it's become a huge issue on Twitter, especially with um, umpire scorecards on Twitter. Yeah. If you haven't checked them out, incredible follow. That should be an immediate baseball follow. It's so good. It brings a lot to light, especially when you see the game you watched last night. You're like, see, I told you he wasn't bad. I told you I wasn't crazy. Because a lot of, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're just overreacting. Like, no, I wasn't. This this pitch was six inches off the zone. It was called a strike. Like, layoff. Like, I think with that, um, that's why people get so upset about it now, especially. I saw I saw an Angel Hernandez scorecard this morning. That's why I'm really harking <laughs> on him. He's also really bad. But, yeah, there's so many issues with it, but there's also so many solutions. Like, do this relegation thing. Make sure the umpires' egos don't get too big because they make the games about themselves and because they think they can do that. Because we've uh, baseball has given them the power to do that. So take that power away from them, and things will start to fix themselves, especially when Angel Hernandez is fired or retires. So that's where I'm at. Matthew, I'm going to let you go. I don't know how you're going to follow that one. <laughs> yeah. up. Well, uh, Angel Hernandez that was a tirade. <laughs> You can't uh, tell me you disagree with any of it. No, I'm not saying pretty much hit the nail on the head right there with uh, the entire rant, pretty much. Um, does Major League Baseball have an umpiring problem? Yes. Is it new? No, not really. Um, 
I did see some of the recaps, the video from the Padres game yesterday, and, you know, that wasn't great. You're going to have games like that where, you know, the umpire has a really bad game, and sometimes it's against one team more than the other. Whether that was on purpose or not, it's hard to tell, given how bad some of these umpires are at their job in general. Um, but I do think, like you were saying, with the umpire scorecards, is part of the reason why it's gotten more attention recently that we know for a fact if they did well or not recently, as opposed to before it's like, yeah, I didn't think this was a strike. I didn't think so either, but maybe it was. And we also have, I think starting two years ago, it was maybe it was last year where they added the strike zone box on all broadcasts across uh, major league baseball. And that also same effect where you can see in real time, the pitch missed and why the batter is upset or the team is upset. And it's crazy because you'll see, you know, a pitch will miss six inches outside called a strike. And someone from the dugout will say that's not a strike because it's not and immediately get thrown out. And then, you know, you're sitting there like my manager, my star pitcher, whatever was ejected from the game for a pitch that was clearly off the plate. Um, yep. I mean, before they had that, but it was just like, occasionally they'll show for a pitch. So I do think that that might not have been the best decision for Major League Baseball to require all teams to show that if they weren't going to make the umpires responsible and accountable for these mistakes. I think like what Diego said, some sort of relegation or minor league system where you get promoted or demoted based on um, you know, your performance would make sense. But other than that, I'm not really sure what they could do other than taking the big leap to um, the robo-umps. That would basically be the only other option. And, you know, we've seen that has its own things, that its own problems. So something for MLB to think about for sure. Yeah, Major League Baseball's got an umpire problem. Um, this is and- the, hold on, this is the game in question. Let's see Padres and... Let's pull you up bigger. Padres and uh, Miami. Yeah, when your zone is that wide. I mean, I don't even care if it's consistently that wide. This is Angel Hernandez, by the way, from us. This is the one I saw this morning. But (laughs) Like, if your zone is that wide, that's an issue, in my opinion. I I, I think they need to – there's going to need to be some balance. And I I still think you're both right. Holding umpires accountable for missing calls and making bad calls is important. Because right now the court of public opinion isn't enough, um, in my opinion. I, that that's where it comes down to. But let's jump into inning number seven. Um, MLB's turn ahead the clock jerseys from 1999. They were so. I found this. <laughs> they were supposed to represent how baseball would look in the year 2021, which is why I brought up this question. They weren't particularly close with what they looked like. So my they question to you sick. both is. They were, yeah, they were not great. They were fun. I I thought they were kind of funny, but. What's your favorite jersey, good or bad, from your favorite team's history? And Matthew brought up the point. His team (laughs) wasn't even a team back in 1999. (laughs) So we'll see what we can do with this question. But I'm still curious. You can do good or bad. but We'll start with Diego. Yeah, um, so the Giants haven't really strayed too far from what they've done always. Um, they 
they've gone from using white to cream in their home uh, uniforms, and that's kind of been their thing. Uh, and that's kind of like, you know, the giant staple home uniform and the grays on the road, like always. Um, but I really like their their current orange Friday jerseys. It's just orange, giants, and a cursive font across the front. But my favorite jersey that the giants have is this one. It just says he got this across the front when they did the... Um, it's a clean look. It's yeah. so nice. Black and orange is so good. Black and orange is hard to beat. And I just liked the... Um, you know, they did the, the Spanish names and everything. So the Gigantes across the front, just because, you know, I'm Mexican, very feel very represented with it, too. And so I think it's really, really cool. It's very clean. The orange with uh, orange, like, you know, lettering on the black jersey just looks incredible. And easily the worst Giants uniform is those awful City Connects that we just got. <laughs> they are horrific in every sense of the word. The only thing good about them is the sweatshirts are pretty cool. Because the logo itself, you put it on an all-orange background in the middle of a sweatshirt, it looks pretty nice. But on the jerseys, it just looks terrible. And like like I said, the Giants haven't really strayed too far with what they do with their uniforms. But that jersey, it, it sucks. Like, it's not good. <laughs> they had so much potential. They just dropped the ball. It's so bad. But, yeah, I mean, great if that's like the worst one in the history of the Giants, like, I'll take it, I guess. Yeah. It could be a lot worse, but that, it's so bad. It's just I have to live with it now, which is the problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, once those are gone, I'll be a lot happier. But they're so they're tough to look at too. They just it's hard on the eyes. But yeah, these ones are sick. Those ones bad. Matthew, your thoughts on your uh, short history? <laughs> um, well, my favorite of the good jerseys for the Nationals is the blue ones they do. Where originally it was with the. Curly W that had the red, white, and blue in it. Mm-hmm. Now they've got the national script across. And I think the blue look works well. But for baseball in general, I feel like there's not that much color in the jerseys compared to some of the other sports like basketball or football, where it's usually the home team in white, the road team in gray. It's kind of boring. Um, though there have been good strides made recently to try to get some alternates, even if they're not worn that often. You have the players' weekend jerseys, though. I guess that was black and white for that one year, but year before um, that, when that was, yeah, the first couple of times they did that was good. Um, now the City Connect jerseys for other than the Giants, sorry about yeah. that, Diego. The rest <laughs> of them have been pretty good. The yeah, White yeah. Sox was White awesome. Sox. The Marlins, uh, I loved the Diamondbacks one. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we get more good ones like that. And other teams, uh, even if it's not the City Connect jerseys, playing around with alternates, adding colors, the black and orange combo for the Giants, the Orioles, something like that, could really help, you know, make the product on the field look better, like Mm -hmm. visually. Yeah, that's fair. So that's pretty much where I stand with the jerseys. I think for me... um... I don't know. I don't have a favorite or I, I like a lot of the White Sox jerseys. I will say these are not one of them. However, <laughs> the shorts look um, that was a failure. Was, his legs are jacked. I was just I picked that photo because his legs are jacked. I'm like, that might be the only time I'm OK wearing shorts if I had legs that. Big. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like I would be OK with that. But Chris Sale's not I too didn't... happy with some of the White Sox. Yeah, yeah, Chris say. Sale never loved them. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the shorts, I that whole jersey is just an interesting look. Yeah. Um, since I promised very quickly here before we get into our Gosh. final segment, 
I promise the stopwatch looking thing on the wrist. I call it Yu-Gi-Oh, um, I think that's not. Oh yeah, your Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> what if it did thing. do like the whole thing like Yu-Gi-Oh did? That'd be kind of funny. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is not what I expected it to look like. I'll be honest with you. The five is kind of weird. I know. Why it's, five? Stretched. It's all kind of weird. There's zero. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, why um, would you just not have like things for like pitches, like fast four seam, two seam? Like why? Well, then you have uh, like you Darvish out there. You need like fifteen different buttons. That's so. fair. That's fair. That's a good point. But that's the uh, that's the end of seventh inning stretch. I think Diego took that one. So congratulations. <laughs> Another close matchup, however. Um, Heading in the final stretch here. What to watch for this week? Matthew and Diego have their thoughts on the best matchups, best teams, whatever to watch this week, and they're going to tell you why you should be watching it. We'll start with the winner, Diego. Yeah. So. Uh, Dodgers at Giants, like classic matchup, always is, always will be. But when both the teams are going to be fighting for first, still at that point, um, so like that um, that series, whoever wins that series will end up in first um, after the series. So it makes that series that much more important, that much more exciting. Starts, I think it's Tuesday to Thursday. Um, also, I'm going to be there on Tuesday, so I'm very excited for that. Um, so it's it's a good good to watch. Another team to watch. Just the Cubs, see who's left after yeah. the trade deadline. Um, so I think that's my what to watch, who to watch. Giants, Dodgers, it's gonna be really exciting. Cubs, we'll see where everyone ends up. Matthew, um, I'm gonna go with a different rival rivalry in the AL East, but uh, it's the Red Sox and Rays, the classic, you know, AL East rivalry out there. The most important, um, most storied. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> but uh, both of them sitting at sixteen thirty nine. We've talked about tied in first place, like a weekend series, and that could go a long way if one of the teams sweeps it, or even just winning the series could try to uh, start determining the AL East winner as we get towards the home stretch. And then, like Diego mentioned, a bunch of the trade candidates as we get on the last week before the deadline, um, specifically Scherzer, who was scratched yesterday, might make one more start as a Nat could be gone after that. That'll be something I'm watching in Philly. Um, and then all these other players that, you know, their name is rumored. Could they be traded? Get to watch them one last time with their old team or maybe the first time with their new team. Yeah. yeah. I think the trade deadline is the biggest thing. Um, yeah. It's been quiet so far. We're, I'm hoping by the next time we record this, that we have a little bit more to talk about when it comes to the trade deadline. Cause yeah. two very small deals for rentals that, are, are both can um, both done by the Rays is not much fun to talk about. Um, but hopefully there's some more action. I know there's plenty of exciting matchups this week. Um, talk of the week certainly going to be the trade deadline, though. So we'll see what action that brings. But for now, that's going to do it for us on episode 14 of This Week in Baseball, season two. You know where to find us. Diamond-Digest.com is the website. Diamond underscore Digest is the Twitter handle. Diamond.digest is the Instagram handle. Find us everywhere, especially for some interesting jersey swaps, I'm sure, this week. Um, our, our graphic design crew will be plenty busy. Um, best in the business. I was just going to say, best because best they are the best in the business. Um, Baseball or otherwise. True. It, it is fantastic the work they put out, so I'm sure they'll have some fun this week. I'm sure we'll have plenty of articles out this week, too, about the trade deadline, uh, assuming moves get made, which 
Might we're be an assumption this year. We'll see. We're expecting to see moves, and we're hoping for plenty to talk about next week. But for the winner, Diego Franco Carino and his green screen, for noted Nationals fan Matthew yep. Penn, and for the five yeah. minutes that Joey Bowley <laughs> was able to join us today, this is Jordan Lazowski signing off. Take care, everyone. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Go baseball. And go baseball indeed. <laughs>